0: Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hey, y'all, it's Bridget here. Joining us today is the extraordinary Laura Cullen, a woman whose journey in the beverage world is nothing short of inspiring. From her beginnings growing up in New York at her father's bar, all the way to where she is today, a powerhouse at Diageo. Laura has seen it all. Today, she graciously opens up about her experiences, providing us with a glimpse into the dynamic and ever-evolving landscape of the beverage industry. In this episode, she goes beyond the professional accolades. Laura takes us on a poignant journey as she shares the profound impact her best friend, John Lemire, had on her life. His presence and untimely departure left a mark, influencing not only her personal life, but also shaping the way she approaches her day to day. So sit back, relax, grab yourself your favorite bourbon cocktail and enjoy this very special episode. Laura, welcome to Served Up. I am so happy to have you on the show.
1: I'm really excited to be here. I know we've been trying to do this for a minute, so I'm glad it all came together.
0: Me too. Could you tell our listeners a bit about your background and your journey to what brought you to the beverage industry?
1: Yeah, I I don't know that I ever consciously made a choice. I was literally born in a bar. So my dad owned a bar in Greenwich Village in New York City, and he opened that bar in 1965 before I was born. And uh, I just sort of grew up in the business. So I was always enamored with it. And in many ways, I'm not sure that I really understood that there was any other way of life than being in a bar, being a part of a community, just kind of hanging out in the neighborhood. Um, And then I went to go to school for hotel and restaurant management. And I thought that I would come back and take over my dad's restaurant. And I ended up getting really interested in wine and went down sort of a master sommelier path for a while, did my first stint with Southern Glaciers in the early 90s, then went back into F&B, went and worked for a food and wine broker for a while, then opened my own bar in Miami and was there for nine years. Um, Founded the Miami chapter of the USBG during that period, which was really an exciting time for the community there. And then um, sold my bar. Went back to work for SGWS in California, and then a little stint in Miami, and now I am working for Diageo and living in Louisville, Kentucky. So, kind of in a nutshell.
0: (laughs) Quite a journey. Can you, you know, what was it? What was it like for you, really growing up in the bar industry?
1: It was fantastic. I get asked a lot. Um, what it was like to grow up in New York City because people outside of New York City can't imagine what it was like to grow up there. And I think there were some similar aspects to growing up in the bar business and growing up in the city. Where I grew up, I grew up in a neighborhood and it was very much like a small town. We knew everybody, I could go to the corner store and pick up something for my mom and the guy would put it on her tab. You know, there was that kind of, you know, that kind of a thing. And then the same with the bar. I spent a lot of time in there. I would do my homework in there. I would color in there. I would play restaurant. Um, My dad would give me a little dupe pad and I would sort of sit in the corner and make up my own little situations, which was kind of funny, Um, but got to meet a lot of really interesting people and got to see the world through a very different lens than I think probably most young kids see. Uh, It was pretty wonderful. It was pretty magical. I mean, at the time, I'm not sure I appreciated it. When I look back at it now, I just think, man, it was really a fantastic way to grow up.
0: What changes have you seen in our industry over the years? Um, I think it's a
1: lot harder. I think it's always been a hard industry. I think it's a lot harder. I think the personal element of it is getting strained out a little bit. I think that there are things about technology and there are things about progress that are good. Um, But I do think the Yelp culture, that whole kind of thing can be really damaging, especially to a small business. I think that's tough. And I just think the ability to maintain uniqueness is really hard because anything that you do is instantly out in the world, right? So it's no longer that you can provide this special type of service or a special cocktail or a special dish that people really have to come visit you to see. It's just kind of out there. And I think sometimes people think that they've experienced something because they've seen it online, but they've not actually taken the time to be there and, you know, feel what the room feels like and, that whole energy that you know how you when you walk into a bar or restaurant you get that vibe of whether or not it's what kind of experience it's going to be i think that's what i see as the biggest difference and i think you know the profitability of it has gotten really difficult there's something to be said for a cash business and i don't mean that in a cheeky underhanded way but if you look at an average small business who's doing two million dollars a year they could be paying $150,000 of that in credit card fees. So when you think about, you know, that's like a, you know, a proper salary for someone or bonuses Mm -hmm. for your kitchen team or what, that's a lot of money to Mm -hmm. be giving away for nothing really. So um, yeah, I think those are some of the biggest changes that I've seen.
0: Yeah. And you really have had just a 360 experience in the beverage world. You know, you're working for a supplier, you grew up in the bar industry, You're definitely, you know, well beloved by the industry um, as well. Can we talk a little bit about the bartender themselves and some of the changes that you've seen, you know, over the years?
1: I wonder where even to start. I think cocktails are fantastic and I think that they're a lot of fun, but I'm definitely on the older side of this whole generation where I think sometimes I really miss the element of banter and the personality and the understanding that people will come back to a bar that has mediocre cocktails if they get great service but people won't come back to a bar for a great cocktail if the service isn't good and i think that i feel like one of the old people in the corner of the room saying kids these days and i don't mean to make a blanket statement about bartending in general but I do think there is an element of, there There are so many things that go on before and after a shift. And the process of actually making the cocktail and sliding it across the bar is really important. But it's such, it's really only like 50%, right? Because you have the way that you set up, the way that you interact with your team, your R&D, there are all these other things that go into it. Um, I think that's probably the biggest difference. And then also on the other hand of that, the opportunities that younger bartenders have today to learn and to travel and to stage those to do pop-ups those were the types of things that didn't happen and i think in the last 10 years we've really seen an explosion of that and that's really exciting because that opens up a whole network and you can reach out to people from all over the world and talk to them about things that are working for them and different things that are going on and that i think is another big change that i think is actually really exciting
0: yeah you know I agree with you a hundred percent. I think we're about the same age, and when you know you first started out in the industry, there wasn't the social media. I know I didn't have a cell phone, you know there wasn't um any online activity, let's say, and so I think it's much easier now in a lot of ways who you know for folks who want to really become a professional behind the bar and then I'm also kind of curious from your point of view. If the bartender, if we're not taking steps back during this day and age of the bartending gig, once again, just kind of being that stop to something else. I know when I was bartending, so many folks behind the bar with me were just doing it to go through school, doing, you know, to get through college, whatever it might be. But now I see so many folks putting their foot in that bartending pool to maybe go on to be a brand ambassador or something bigger and better. But I would love to know your thoughts. Yeah, I think we really have
1: to reassess. Bartending is physically taxing. It's emotionally taxing. I'm not sure that it's always something that you can do for 20 or 30 years. Bartender, almost in the same lens that you look at a professional athlete. For most people, there's going to be a limited amount of time that you can do that and then if you add in wanting to have a family or wanting to have a little bit better work life balance i think we're becoming more conscious of that but i still think 10 and 12 hour shifts are you know more prevalent than not i think the lack of medical insurance that's available to many bartenders there's so many things that would warrant you pushing yourself outside of the industry and as much as i know um The USBG has been really active in trying to figure out healthcare options, and I know that there are some other partners out there in the world trying to figure that out. It's a tough place to be, I think, um, for a lifetime commitment, unless you have some ownership or unless you have a supportive partner that can help you with some of those other elements that don't come naturally, because I think there are a lot of people that step out from behind the bar that would prefer not to as well. As many, as many people and, and by the way, if you're if you're gonna get behind the bar and it's gonna be and you're treating that time as a stepping stone to do something else, I have no problem with that. I have no problem with a bartender who's waiting for their big break and then goes off to be an actor or goes to MIT or whatever they do. I have zero issue with that so long as while you're behind the bar, you are fully focused on being a bartender and being the best bartender that you can. I think it's one of the beautiful things about our industry is the flexibility and and the fact that a good bartender acquires the skills that they would need to be successful in absolutely any other profession. There is not a skill that you can name that you would need in another profession that you will not hone when you're behind the bar.
0: So with that said, in your opinion, what makes a good bartender?
1: Wow. That's another tough one. Um, I'm going to go a little bit off the rails here. And I will say, I think the number one thing that makes a good bartender is compassion. And I say that because bartending is a job. Yes. And there are skills. Yes. And you have to put things into a glass and you have to follow a recipe and you have to do all these things. But really at the end of the day, what you have to do is you have to create an experience. And that experience exists. With you and your guests, it exists with you and your coworkers, it exists with you and your community. And I honestly think that, again, it's a difficult job. People come into bars for very different reasons, and usually being thirsty is not the top thing on the list. Um, They come to celebrate, they come to commiserate, they come for a sense of community, they come because they are lonely, they come because they have a great story, whatever it is. Um, I think that as a bartender, you really have to collect all of that information and then put it back out into the room. And so that's why I say, I think compassion is actually a really, uh, I'm going to go with compassion because I actually think that that's the best thing that you can be if you're behind the bar, both for you and your guest.
0: Yeah. I think that you really nailed that. And, you know, just going back to something that you said, like, You'd rather go to a bar that makes a mediocre cocktail, right, but has maybe a good attitude and that's welcoming and really showcases hospitality versus just going in to have a great cocktail and the bartender has a shitty attitude. And so I do think that we are getting back into that hospitality space. You know that whole space of hospitality. That's really what our industry is all about—is creating that experience for someone else. So, can you talk to the listeners about what hospitality means to you?
1: Oh my God, you're hitting me with all the feels today, Bridget. You're hitting me with all the feels. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna quote our friend. You know, I'm gonna say the the two most important words that I think that you can utter to yourself as you walk into your ship are "pursue happiness." right? I think if you have that in mind, every shift is not going to be easy. And some shifts are going to feel like they took five minutes and they're going to blow by and you're going to have the time of your life. And some shifts are going to be tough, right? That's just the nature of the game. I think the whole idea of hospitality is that you find a way to put your service ahead of everything else that you're feeling. And if you have a very defined Idea in your mind of what that service should be. And that can be very different in different places. The service that you're going to give in a dive bar is probably very different than what you're going to give in a Michelin star restaurant. And then there's everything in between. But I think at the end of the day, again, it goes back to compassion, it goes back to happiness, and it goes back to being on stage for that period of time where you're interacting with other people, where their expectation of you is that you provide them with a service. And it's not just a drink, it's not just a plate of food. Now, that being said, I certainly don't condone anyone being in a situation where their guest is constantly taxing them or there's you know, that mild you know, verbal abuse that happens and all that kind of stuff. But I do think if you can create a platform of hospitality within your bar or restaurant and you're aligned with your coworkers on what that actually is, You can deliver it in a way that will make most of your guests feel really good and will protect you in your journey to be compassionate and be service oriented. And I think that it is something that you can craft. And I think it's important that we talk about it more. We talk about the taxation of what it means to interact with guests, but we also talk about the importance and the reward when it's done really well.
0: Absolutely, because that reward is felt on both sides,
1: a million percent,
0: you know, and it makes folks want to come back again, a million percent. Million. A million. yeah, it's not always about the cocktail in front of you, it's about remembering the name of the person, you know, having those conversations and creating that space where that feels warm, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, you mentioned our friend. do you mind if we talk a little bit about our friend? No, I talk about him all the time. Okay, cool. So (laughs) we do have a mutual friend, John LaMere, who who passed. Um, John was definitely a icon in the beverage industry. And John had just such a big heart. And I know for his brief time on this planet that he touched so many. He really did. And when you say pursue happiness, just for the folks that maybe are not familiar with John, you know, that was something that that he would say. So I would love to hear from you what your thoughts are and your and how you were inspired by John's life, um, what you took out of his death. And also, what do you see being, you know, what is his legacy? What did he leave behind?
1: Yeah, just in a few short minutes. Sure, no problem. Sure, do it. Go for it. Sure, go. So no, no problem. Um, I had a unique, uh, I, I'm in a unique position where I met John in the late 90s outside of the bartending world. So we met through some mutual friends in a non-bartending, well, it's not true. We met in a bar, but neither one of us were bartending. We just sort of met. And subsequently, about a year after we met, we went to a wedding in Ireland together and spent 10 days traveling with a really cool group of people. And that's how I really got to know John. And my one thing that I took away from that was, this was just someone that was very cheeky, very full of joy, just saw something wonderful in everything. And that really resonated with me. And a few years later, he moved down to Florida full-time when his son was born. And I had just opened my bar and he used to come into the bar and we used to, I used to be behind the bar and he would sit at the bar and we would just have these long talks about, yes, about drinks, but just about life and music and, and just the joy that he lived with every day. It's still with me. I still have to remind myself sometimes to, uh, to, to pursue happiness. And I think what his death taught me and continues to teach me it's hard for me to talk about sometimes but I actually really do think about it a lot nothing is promised but also love never leaves you so as devastating as it is to lose someone that you love that dearly that love never leaves he's not here I wish I could call him sometimes um but the love is always there and i think that i also had to reevaluate some of the people that were in my life that i think i was always trying to be that person that was sort of friends with everybody and trying to always be the mediator and i just really had to look around and say you know i i have myself in a lot of situations that are not really giving me anything back and are actually taking a lot away from me and i had to really figure out how to make that work Um, But I will tell you another thing that I took from his death is I actually have some very, very close friends now who I met because John died, who I was not really friends with when he was alive. But that that bond of his joy and that pursuit of happiness has brought all of these other wonderful people into my life. And I think that really sums him up. Right. Because he was just a connector of people. That's what he did. Um, and
0: I just, yeah. So, so there's that. that. I love that. What a beautiful tribute, you know, that the love stays. Yeah. It's still here. And, you know, for folks that aren't familiar, familiar, you know, if you go to an event, even like tales of the cocktail, or you follow any fellow cocktail nerds online, very often you will see that phrase, pursue happiness. And, um, whenever I see it, it just makes me smile. Yeah. Right. It's part of that joy, part of that. Yeah. Work that yes. Yep. it's, it's, I think, a, it's beautiful.
1: I think it's a reset too. I think, um, it's interesting because when he was opening Sweet Liberty, uh, mm-hmm. he would talk to some of his employees and he would ask them, you know, like if they were having a hard time or they were coming in, he would ask them like, what are you doing outside of this job? To make yourself happy, like you have to do something that makes you happy. It can't just be coming into work and doing all these things. And so I think that it can really take on a life of its own. And it, again, for me, it's a good thing for me to remember because, you know, things are hard. We went mm-hmm. through a pandemic, we've done all these things. I've made a lot of major changes in my life in the last five years, and I have a really good life. I'm surrounded by people who love me. I'm very fortunate to be living in a beautiful place and I'm able to travel to wonderful places and, but still life, sometimes you're like, oh, you know, and you take a minute to just say, okay, great. What am I not, what am, what am I missing here? Because where is, where is that moment? Where is that thing that I'm going to do? That's going to make me happy. And am I going to honor myself by pursuing that? And I think that I do. And I think it's very helpful.
0: Yeah. I think you are an absolute inspiration with what you do. I think it's amazing. And you just mentioned something that's really important. Um, And it's within the story that you just shared about John and saying that he would ask, you know, his team members, what else are you doing? Can you talk to why it is important if you're in the beverage industry to have other interests besides beverage?
1: Absolutely. Uh, a, A myriad of reasons. First of all, just for your soul, you have to have more than one interest, I think. And I will always, you know, people always ask me what my hobbies are and I say eating and drinking, which is true. But within that, I love to read. I love to travel. I love to do things that are sort of food and beverage adjacent, but that are a little bit different. Um, I really enjoy spending time with myself. I'm very happy to be alone on a long walk or with a book, although I shouldn't say alone on a long walk because of course Scout is always with me, but. Um, I think that that downtime is very important. I think we talk a lot now about self-care, which I think is great, but self-care for different people means different things. But I really do think you've got to find something that replenishes you. And for some people, that's a nap. For some people, that's a swim. For some people, that could be running a marathon. It really is different for everybody. But you have to find something that replenishes you because you are not solely one thing. And if you're focused only on one thing, you become one dimensional in a way that's damaging to yourself. And I think that that's the most important thing. So maybe that was like a little bit heavy. Um, But going back to OG bartenders and banter, Mm -hmm. I think when you have other interests and you have other things to talk to people about, I often think as bartenders, we're way more interested in what we're doing than our guests necessarily are, and that's not always true, but I think for the most part, people just want a cocktail and they want it to be delicious and they want you to be enthusiastic about it, but they might not want to know why you went to the metric system to get the ratio proper. You know,
0: like they might not, they, they might they care, I, but they I don't might. think they do. Maybe, <laughs> they might. maybe, um, they might.
1: but I also think if you have other interests outside of beverage, you bring those into work. And I think that that mm-hmm also contributes to banter and contributes to the fueling of the community and the ability to be compassionate.
0: Absolutely. You know, you mentioned um, at the beginning of our conversation that you are now working with Diageo. Can you share what your day to day looks like?
1: Yeah, um, I'm a little bit embarrassed to share it because I think I might have one of the best jobs in the world and people are going to be mad at me because it's not even really, really like working. So I live in Louisville, Kentucky. I manage, um, the brand homes in Kentucky and Tennessee. So I basically get to go to amazing distilleries every day and interact with a great team of people and learn more and more about whiskey all the time. And just that's, that's basically what I do. I help, um, curate experiences that we change up a lot. And again, just, uh, focus in on the education of whiskey and the history and get involved in the Kentucky community and all the cool things that they're doing here. And we have a Tennessee whiskey that we work with that um, we have a GM and head distiller, Nicole Austin, who's doing some crazy cool things. So I get to taste all of these meat liquids before they ever get out into the world. So it's, it's not a bad gig.
0: Yeah. It sounds wonderful. You know, I do know that a lot of our listeners are bourbon fans and Tennessee whiskey fans, but a lot of them are from other countries Uh and maybe they haven't had the opportunity to visit Louisville, but most importantly, Bardstown and the bourbon trail, or maybe not even realize that that's a thing.
1: Can you paint a a picture
0: of what Louisville is like, you know, bring that energy and what is the bourbon
1: trail? Okay, so first of all, I'm just going to plug the little city of Louisville for a minute because I grew up in New York City. As we know, I lived in Miami. I lived in San Francisco. The one thing I will tell you, uh, I'll, I'll quote RuPaul now, you come to Louisville and a bitch can live. It's really like the housing prices are still not crazy. The traffic is very moderate. It's a very cool town. Um, it's very quirky. It's very artsy. Uh, it's very diverse, which probably a lot of people don't think about Kentucky and diversity, but Louisville is a weird little city and I love it. And I encourage everyone to come and visit, um, on the bourbon trail. There are, I think now about 45 big distilleries and there are several craft distilleries. When you can go and visit them, you don't have to be like, officially a part of the bourbon trail but the nice thing about the bourbon trail is they do a lot of work with louisville tourism and they do a lot of work with local businesses to try to make it a whole experience um it's funny because if you're on the sales side of things or you're an ambassador when you're out in your market you're probably very competitive with you know it's like kind of like we're competitive with each other when you get to louisville we're all friends so I have really, like, one of my best friends works Angel's Envy. I have friends at Rabbit Hole. I have friends at Makers. I have friends at Heaven Hill. And we all just kind of meet for beers every once in a while and talk about what we have. Sometimes we bring a little flask. Like, it's all very, very friendly when you're here. So uh, if you have one connection in the whiskey world, they can connect you to everybody else. And I, I encourage you to visit because we would we would love to have you.
0: I do think that Louisville is a gem. And I've always thought that um, for all the years I've been traveling through there for a long time, it was my territory. Um, There's just this really special energy that comes out of that neck of the woods.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was in 2018 and 2019, I was spending a lot of time here and I literally bought a house here in 2019 because I loved it here so much and always planned on spending some time here. I was going to split my time between here and Miami. And then when the pandemic hit, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to go to Louisville and chill and see what, what happens. And, and here I am. And I really like it.
0: I'm glad that you're there. Absolutely. It's pretty wonderful. What is next for you?
1: Well, um, in about a half an hour, no, I'm just kidding. That's
0: That's... a great question.
1: That's a great question. Um, I'm sort of where I am for right now. I still have some work to do here. Mm -hmm that I'm still really excited about. I think there'll probably be a next stop on my tour. Mm-hmm. Um, sometime in the next few years. I think eventually I'll probably end up going back home to New York. Um, it's sort of calling me a little bit, so we'll see. I think I'm um, beverage industry forever. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm going anywhere. Mm-hmm. This. Brush with experiential marketing that I've had here and working with these distillery experiences has been a whole new eye-opening game. And I'm really keen to get some more of these experiences out into the world. So in that space, I feel like maybe take it on the road a little bit because I do like to travel. I do like to get around. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, for now, I'm just here doing my thing, talking to you.
0: I love that. We need to put you on tour. Yes. Yes. Yes, <laughs> I wanna... yes, yes. Yes. First stop, Chicago. Yes, please come. So tell me, um, what advice would you give, Laura, to someone who has never worked in the beverage industry, but is curious and perhaps doesn't know where to start?
1: I guess it would really depend on what element of the beverage industry they wanted to be in. Um, mm-hmm. I think the best thing that you can do is just start by asking questions, right? find someone who you admire and respect that's in the industry and just ask them about their journey. I think I listen to your podcast all the time. And when you hear how different people come to find their way into the beverage industry, there is really a myriad of paths. So bartending, I think is a little bit simpler because bartending, I think you go and you find a great bar and you sit at it and you watch and you listen. And eventually you then say, I want to cut a lime up. I want to scoop some ice. I want to do whatever I can do. That's pretty simple. Um, and then there's always sort of the sales route. I think, you know, you and I, you still work for Southern. I, Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed my time at Southern. It was a great opportunity to meet a lot of people. Um, the education platforms within the company are really strong. So that's a great opportunity to do that. Um, so I would recommend that as a way to go. Um, I'll plug the USBG again. I think, you know, if, you can f- if you're can, if you in a city that has a, lo- a local USBG chapter, they, you can be a member of the USBG and be an enthusiast. You don't have to be an active bartender. I think that's a great way to sort of get into the community and kind of see what goes on. And again, a lot of great educational platforms there. So really, I think, you know, when you want anything bad enough, you go find a way to get it and um, go get it. Just go get
0: it. Great advice. Ask the questions. Don't be afraid and be curious, you know, always. And I love that you plugged the United States Bartenders Guild. Some of our listeners may not be all that familiar with that organization. Can you give just um, a top line overview of what it is, who they stand for and what they do? Yeah.
1: uh, The USBG is an organization whose sole purpose is just to elevate the craft of bartending. And I have to full disclosure, I was on the founding uh, board of the Miami chapter, and I sat on the national board for a few years, so I'm definitely close to it. Um, and I, so I just want to, you know, full disclosure: I am still an active member. I stayed in my Miami chapter because that will always be my home chapter for me. So that's where where I'm a member. Um, I actually think that a lot of people interact with the USBG and aren't full fledged members, and I would encourage you to support that organization because an organization like the USBG that's solely volunteer, can only exist by the strength of its members. So even if you're a more senior member of your community, consider joining, because I think that there's a lot of knowledge that can go back and forth. I know the younger people that are working in the distillery now that I'm like early 20s, that some of the stuff that they're learning and some of the stuff that they're curious about are, is fascinating to me. And I learn from them every day. So um, I think there's a lot to be said for it. Um, And again, you can't really understand what goes on without being a part of it. So go to a couple of meetings and see if it's for you. And again, depending on the city that you're in, some of these chapters are really doing crazy good stuff um, and they're run by really good people. So that's my little USBG plug. And I'll be expecting, I'll be expecting a hat. I'm just
0: kidding. Every chapter. Yes. (laughs) I think that's, you know, anything. just, uh, and also with the USBG, um, it is part of a a larger mothership on the International Bartenders Association. So for our listeners that maybe are not in the United States, you can look into your country's chapter as well by going online to the International Bartenders Association's website and see where your chapters are. And I think that's what's so cool, additionally to that to the usbg is that we're really connected not just here in a city in a t- state or a town but also globally which is really exciting that that's something that you can tap into yeah i didn't
1: realize we were going global
0: yeah absolutely what the hell i <laughs> mean let's do
1: it let's do it. let's go to all the countries
0: i'll love that well that will be part of your tour that's great my passport's up to date i'm ready to go <laughs> Mine too. mine too like, Laura, I want to just thank you so much for spending a little time with me today. You're an absolute joy. And I do hope that you will come back on Served Up so we can get an update to what you're up to and all the good that you put out in the beverage industry and beyond. And with that, I just want to wish you a lot of peace and, you know, and some great health during this time. So cheers to you. Thank you. Cheers to you. It has been an absolute pleasure. And I always love our
1: chats. You are a ray of sunshine. And my day is always better after having spoken to
0: you. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers!